Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. Congressional Democratic leaders and White House officials say talks will continue on a pandemic relief bill. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the top Democrat in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, say they made more progress during Saturday's meeting. NPR's Claudia Rosales reports on where things stand. After their fifth meeting this week, Speaker Pelosi and Minority Leader Schumer said they're feeling hopeful about a deal, but they noted they still have a ways to go. They met with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin and White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on Saturday, and they plan to meet again on Monday. Issues that have held up an agreement include an extension of now-expired federal unemployment benefits, an eviction moratorium, and liability protections for employers during the pandemic. California has become the first state in the country to hit half a million infections, and Pierce Matthew Schwartz reports the state's also seeing more daily deaths than ever before. 219 people lost their lives to the coronavirus in one day, California health officials reported Saturday. It's the state's highest daily figure since the pandemic began, bringing its total fatalities to over 9,200, including the state's first loss of a teenager, which officials announced this week. With more than 500,000 total cases of the virus, California is leading the nation, edging out Florida, which has 480,000 confirmed cases. According to data from the Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Tracker, the U.S. The serious side of the J. Rob Show is coming up next, right here on the TJRS Radio Network. My father's conversation with me was daily. My grandfather uh, talked to me as a, as, a, as a black man from Augusta, Georgia, growing up in the Deep South. Frightening. And I'm being very light when I use the word frightening. If something goes wrong, your first line of defense, uh, you know, the parents not being there, is to go to the police. If you're Caucasian. So, I, I mean, yes, still, that's what you still, teach your children. Unfortunately, uh, you know. it can't work for black children, right? Being an African-American is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful blessing. You have come from great people. What I love about you as my son is I remember when we thought about having you and, you know, knowing that we wanted you and watching you grow. You are the Muhammad Ali, you are the Malcolm X, you are the Martin Luther King. You are an amazing young man, and the future is yours. And I will do my best to make sure you're safe. That's it. I love you. Why should I vote? Nothing ever changes. The system is rigged. Why bother? Whether you're trying to get dinner on the table after working a double shift, dropping baby off with grandma, or studying for exams, voting can feel like the furthest thing from your mind. You might even feel like it's just not worth it. But that's exactly what some people want you to think. The truth is, when we stay home, things stay the same or they get worse. But when we all vote, we get new ideas and new energy. We get leaders who share our values and listen to our voices. That's how we change America. And that's why it's so important to register right now and vote this November. 
And in every election, go to whenweallvote.org or text WEALLVOTE to 97779 to get started and know that your vote will make a difference. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. President Trump has signed four executive actions to provide economic relief to those hurt by the coronavirus pandemic. NPR's Tamara Keith reports the president made the move in the absence of a deal with Congress to pass a new coronavirus aid package. Trump signed a memorandum to extend enhanced unemployment benefits through the end of the year. Though it was previously a $600 weekly benefit, Trump is cutting it down to $400. He's also directing the Treasury Secretary to defer some payroll tax collection through the end of the year. And Trump suggested the deferred taxes may never have to be paid if he wins re-election. If I'm victorious on November 3rd, I plan to forgive these taxes and make permanent cuts to the payroll tax. I'm going to make them all permanent. When Trump previously floated this idea, Democrats and Republicans in Congress rejected it because these taxes fund Medicare and Social Security, and there are already concerns about their long-term solvency. Tamara Keith, NPR News. Leading congressional Democrats, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer are calling the president's executive actions unworkable and narrow, and they seem likely to face a legal challenge. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar has landed in Taiwan with an American delegation for an official visit, the highest level visit with an American cabinet official since 1979. NPR's Emily Fang reports a visit comes amid rising tensions between the U.S., and China. Azar is expected to meet with Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen, as well as a number of Taiwanese COVID first responders. Azar said the visit is to show support for Taiwan's successful containment of its coronavirus epidemic. Taiwan has had fewer than 500 confirmed cases of COVID-19 despite its close proximity to China, where the virus originated. China has threatened unspecified countermeasures for the visit. One source of tension between the U.S. and China stems from the popular video-sharing app TikTok. President Trump has issued an executive order banning it from the United States, citing national security concerns. But now NPR is reporting that TikTok is expected to file a lawsuit as soon as Tuesday, arguing that the president's executive order is unconstitutional. TikTok, by the way, helps fund NPR content that appears on the platform. French President Emmanuel Macron hosting an online conference with global leaders today to organize emergency aid for Lebanon after Tuesday's devastating explosion in Beirut. It's scheduled to get underway this hour with President Trump participating. The BBC's Tom Bateman. The sense of fury is everywhere in a country that was already deeply mired in crisis well before Tuesday's blast as the recovery efforts continue and the number of dead continues to rise. Today's international online conference, hosted by the French President Emmanuel Macron, aims to raise billions of pounds in aid. But amid the deep distrust towards the country's government, he has said it must be channeled directly to charities and to the people. And this is NPR News.
president. I think I've done more than any other first-term president ever. I have a phony witch hunt, which is just a phony pile of stuff. Mueller comes out, there's no collusion, and essentially a ruling. I see you looking there with a little smirk. How many times did you look so innocent into your wife's eyes and lie to her about Uh, Lisa? Mr. Chairman, it's outrageous. Well, the uh, the allegations against Congressman Conyers, as we have learned more since uh, Sunday, are serious, disappointing, and very credible. It's very sad. Uh, The brave women who came forward are owed justice. Now to the latest on a Harris County juvenile judge under investigation after he reportedly released nearly all of the children that appeared before him the day after he lost oh, real we have not seen before in our recent public life at least blatantly repeatedly baldly shamelessly lying making stuff up the president when he passed a middle class tax cut before the next election Congress isn't even in session. He just makes it up. Good morning and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show. It's the Sunday morning roundtable, where our panelists will bring topics to the table that they would like to discuss. Here is your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you, Carlos, and good morning and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TGRS Radio Network, online radio. And it's best like the man said, it's the Sunday morning roundtable where we... Uh, allow our panelists to bring topics to the table that they would like to discuss. It's always a fan favorite. But without any further ado, let me bring them in. First up, she's my big sis. She's the person that watches and listens to MSNBC, uh, CNN, every now and then hang out with Fox people. Because you don't have to, let's bring her in, the one and only Miss Vanessa Maybell from the Mackinac. Good morning, Vanessa, and how are you this beautiful Sunday morning? It's an awesome Sunday morning, and that was a nice voice doing your intro coming into the show. Well, thank you. I try Uh my best to do my, oh, you're talking about the person that was actually, okay, that person. Uh, I thought you were giving me some credit, but that's okay. I'll I'll accept it. (laughs) <laughs> you weren't, and you're just going to confirm that you but weren't. We okay, sounds good. But you know we love you. I know you do. Thank you so much for being <laughs> here this morning, and uh, can't wait to get into it. Can't wait to hear what you want to talk about second set. The man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the man who really runs everything around here. We call him the guru of operations, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, sir. How are you doing? And Good morning, Nessa. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Hulk. I hope your I hope your family rolled this out safe and sound. And also, Jerome and Kathleen. I hope your families rolled this out safe and sound. You know, hey, Aisha, Aisha, Aisha. what is it? Aisha, Aisha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. Elias is referring to our colleagues were in the path of a major uh, hurricane this past week, so I can report that at least I know Hulk is. Sure, haven't heard from Jerome or Kathleen. Uh, so hopefully they're doing well. You know, Jerome is dealing with some other things as well. Hopefully he'll stop by and, and drop in, and so will Kathleen. Also, Johnny D in the place to be. He uh, will be here. He just uh, has some things he needs to take care of. So until then, it's the three of us. 
And we'll bring it to you like we always do every Sunday, like we do every Sunday right here on the TGRS Radio Network, online radio that's best. Call the number 347-850-1272. You can be a part of the conversation. You can jump in the world-famous chat room, or you can monitor us from whatever website you'd like to listen to the show. But, once again, it's a Sunday morning roundtable. And so what we do is we have our people bring in topics. Without any further ado, uh, I say we need to jump right into the show. Chat room should be open. Check it out. You can call in 347-850-1272 if you want to be a part of the conversation. Let's get into it. Mr. Elias, what are we talking about this morning for the first topic? Uh, I got three things that are on my mind. I'm trying to decide which one is best for me. I was going to talk about the TikTok deal, about this clown talking about how he did more for black people than than everybody except Abraham Lincoln. But you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm, my, I'm more drawn towards the post office situation, which is going on. And for those who don't know, this clown, this clown just put uh, a postmaster, one of his one of his cronies in charge of the post office. I don't, I don't remember the man's name right now. I'm trying to remember it because I had it written down, but I don't have my notes in front of me. But this clown has taken over the post office. He's cut overtime. He's, he's doing everything so that the post, so when you mail out something, it takes weeks and weeks and weeks to get there. So guess why he's doing this, folks? He's doing this so that mail-in voting won't, be a thing because he knows damn well a lot of people are scared to go out to the polls and vote because of the coronavirus so let's just be honest let's just talk about that because the bottom line is we know it's planted the nose on your face that this is what this clown is doing and 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 anything to stop mail-in voting is, is is what he's doing now he's saying it's okay in florida no florida you can do it because florida has a Republican government. It's all right for Florida to do it, but nobody else can do it. This is, this is, this is. This, I don't, I don't get how people cannot see what's going on right in front of their face, and and they keep playing games every time. This, this guy is, is like a, a, a child. It, it, it's unbelievable how he treats the country, and you clowns keep backing him up, no matter what he does. So now he's playing with the post office, and people don't care. They don't give a damn. I'm like, ah, he's not playing that. Yeah, he's playing a game with it. Because I mailed something out to my cousin in Wisconsin, which if I drove to Wisconsin, it would take me maybe an hour, hour and a half, if that. It took her almost three weeks to get it. I mailed something out to Houston to Jay. It took almost a week and a half for him to get it. <coughs> oh, this is, this is getting outrageous. So I'm wondering if I mail in my ballot, how long that was going to take. So that's the topic of this morning. The first topic of the morning, uh, what's happening with the postal system, and I guess that's the one you want to go with, right? So, so yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it is. Vanessa, well, what do you think about that? I mean, you, you know, he is uh, yelling from the top of the mountains that it's going to be rigged. Uh, there was a report out this morning saying that, Mail fraud is zero 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 point zero zero percent to even happen. So for him to use the bully pulpit to suggest that there will be issues, especially when not only has he voted by uh, absentee mail ballot, but members of his administration has done the same thing. But like Mr. Elias said, you know, 
fools jump in and continue to listen to this guy. What say you? I almost had a heart attack when Les said male. Y'all, I know y'all heard me kind of scream through the mic. Okay, because mm-hmm. I posted, I posted on my Facebook page two weeks ago, so now it's been three weeks, that I sent off with some important papers from my retirement plan that could not been emailed or faxed or whatever. So I put in for this paperwork and stuff to be sent to me, actually, it, okay, to be sent to me on July 19th through computer. They processed it on July 20th. They mailed okay. it on July 21st. What is today? Let me go around and look at this calendar. August. August 9th. I don't have it. Mm-hmm. I don't have it. I had to wow. call the the people in in that department and tell them I don't have it. And they're like, "Well, let us just resend it." Okay, let me just go there. I I maneuvered some money around with my retirement plan, so I was waiting on it to come. No big deal. I ain't devastated. So when I called them after two weeks, they said, "We'll just do." a stop payment on it because that's too much floating around. We will send you another one. And I said, no, let's just give it another week. So that made three weeks, almost over two and a half weeks, this Thursday or whatever day it was. This Monday is damn near coming up on a month. Excuse me, Pastor, if you listen. So I had to call those people at, at the plant and tell them, cancel it. Then they having to FedEx to me because they don't trust the mail service now. And I now have to wait for them to do a stop payment on that one before they will even go another route. So it's like, who in the world is listening to Donald Trump when he's blaming the Democrats? It is him. So I got on Facebook. Your glass probably saw it. I'm so upset, y'all, because I still don't have my, my, my money. So I got mm. on Facebook and I put it up there. One of my classmates mm. who works for the post office, without me saying a name, probably listening, okay. she sent me an email, a private email through the company that said, no overtime, people got to get their bins mm-hmm. done, people have got to make their quota of the mail, which is 2,000 or whatever pieces of mail it is, 200 stops or whatever it is. She, I was like, what? She said, you have no idea how people mm-hmm. are saying they can't wait for their time to come so that they can retire because the Postmaster General has put such stress on their job that it's like unbelievable that how many complaints the Postmaster is getting, the post workers are getting, that their mail is even being put in wrong mailboxes. Like, my mail doesn't come on my porch. My mail is at, a, at the end of my street with a whole bunch of mailboxes, okay? So I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get that I got a freaking floating check around the United States that's been floating since July 21st, and now we have to go through FedEx to make sure that I get it. I think this – do I sound mad? Do I sound mad? Well, you know, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, the same thing happened to my mother. She had a wreck. Her car was 
messed up, and you know they've been waiting for this check forever, so they finally FedExed it out to her. But you know, same situation. But I think the bigger picture here, and I definitely want to focus on this, is the fact that yeah, people may be dealing with their own individual circumstances or issues through the mail system, which are serious in their world. But think about the overall impact of what the Trump administration is trying to do when they put their cronies in charge of the postal system. But that's the system. whole point, and Jay. I know. I understand that. I understand that. But think about the, the major impact that this will have on the elections coming up. Now, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, has jumped in the house. I want to bring him in right now. Good morning, Jerome. How you doing, brother? Hey, good morning. I'm good, man. How you doing? Good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. Well, you know, it's a Sunday morning roundtable, Jerome. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the palace bring, you know, you guys bring your topics to the table. Mr. Elias wanted to talk about what's happening with the mail system and and how the Trump administration is trying to manipulate and put people in charge to set up what a lot of people are saying will be his last stand, that he will go down in November. And so he's trying to make excuses like he did in 2016. But, you know, in 2016, yeah. he drew an inside straight. Don't think that's going to happen this time. What say you? Yeah. he doesn't. You don't have the Clintons on the ballot. Like, I think people seriously forget this, even when I'm watching, like, general news and information. When anybody kind of do assessment, um, does any kind of assessment on this particular year, I think they forget that. They forget the... Um, the negatives and the impressions that people had of the Clintons and the scandal stuff, you don't have that with Biden. There, there is, you can criticize him for a lot of things, but that negative on Clinton was so high that it, it made room to have an inside trade. Now, he had, I don't know how many years in there, because I tried not to pay him any attention, and he's done that to himself. So he put his own negatives in, doesn't have the negatives against his opponent, and people really think that the race is going to be close. But I can tell you what I'm looking forward to as far as this whole postal stuff is concerned. You can put mm-hmm. a point of – you can put cronies in. And when mm-hmm. the new administration comes in, we are going to have, like, um, some Senate hearings like nobody's ever seen before. This is going to go worse than Nixon because you got to remember after Nixon, um, mm-hmm. Ford pardoned people. And then – after Reagan, you know, and all those people went to jail even then, they started pardoning people after. You have a president that's coming in that's not in your party. And he said already, Biden said, I am not going to ask the Justice Department to not investigate. So think about Barr, because Nixon's attorney general went to jail. And I think Reagan's did too, now that I think about it. Um, so think about Barr and um what the postmaster is doing, what Betsy DeVos is doing, how she's um, staring money to private um, charter schools that, that her family has relationships with. Think about all of these things and tell me that this is not going to be historic in the amount of um, um, the, the amount of charges that's going to be brought against this administration. <laughs> because usually what happens is that they usually look out for him and be like, we don't want to prosecute another administration, so we're going to let them off the hook. I don't think it's going down like that. These guys are sloppy. Oh, oh, they're sloppy and obvious. I think Steve Mnuchin at Treasury is going to go, right, because the way they filtered this money 
from the last, you know, uh, money that they hand out, they don't want to disclose where that money's going. But that stuff is still recorded. So they can't delete it. A lot of people worry about them deleting all of this information. They cannot delete it. They can just bury it and put it in, like, secured servers until they're gone. But the next administration can just open that stuff up. So it's, it's why Jeff Sessions wouldn't do what he was going to do, because he knows Jeff Sessions had been there long enough to know that even if you get away with it during that term, your butt can go to jail. And he was not risking going to jail for Trump, and a lot of these guys have, because we haven't seen it since, like, Nixon. So this is going to be interesting for me. So even with this postal worker stuff, the post office stuff, I think the, the, the loss is going to be so overwhelming. I think the, the election, this coming election, he's going to be, get beat so bad, he's going to have to claim that they cheated. Because he's going to be like, look, look how bad I lost. And he's going to complain. But once they certify, there is not a doggone thing that he can do. Because the Marines aren't going to listen to you. That's hard in stone as far as the Constitution and the date of transfer. And my, my, um, my uh, anticipated belief is Trump is not going to wait for that official handing over of the guard thing with Biden. He's going to jump mm-hmm. his ass on that Trump plane, and he's going to go to Russia. <laughs> They go to Russia. Look, he's, he's going to play that they don't have to. That's funny. That's right? Funny. Because think about it. He's an unindicted co-conspirator in New York State, and New York State is not playing. Letitia James is not playing. No, she's what not. She's doing with yeah. That. That woman, no, she and, isn't. And let me be the second person to say this, because I don't remember who the first person that said this. I think she should be attorney general. Hmm. Wow. Like that well, she is not well, playing. That's an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I don't know if, what else we're talking about this morning, but I'd, I'd love to jump into that topic. But, but huh, interesting. That, that's interesting hey, you say that. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. So, all right. So, here, so I think all of us are saying that Trump is setting this up because he knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to lose, and so these people are. But, but here's the thing, Vanessa. It doesn't really matter. These people are going to follow him to the edge of the earth. What he hasn't figured out yet is that he continues to uh, uh, he continues to play to that thirty nine percent, thirty six percent, or whatever it is of his electric of his electorate. And what I'm saying is is that the bottom line is is that he is not going to get in. He's not worried about getting crossover votes. He thinks that by him playing to that base, that weak ass base that he has, that's going to be enough to win the election. And then he, you know, not only is he doing that, but then, you know, they're trying to put Kanye. I don't know who. I mean, I don't want to bring anything to the table, but, but, but what they're doing is ridiculous. So why do you think it's going to make a difference, Vanessa? Whether he, you know, he's just going to say they cheated, and these people are going to believe him. He can say the sky's green, and they'll say, okay, it's St. Patrick's Day. Give us the last word on this topic. Hmm. Don't forget, well, you have to come back to me too for my topic of the day, and. You know what? Uh, that's next segment, uh, Vanessa. Yet. I understand how the show works. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't make me send you a <laughs> you nasty message. Come back to me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. <laughs> yesterday, if you hear my phone beep, you know what happened, y'all. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> 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 okay, so. Go ahead, woman. Uh, yesterday, I 
say out at Clear Lake Park, we see these boats that say Trump 2020. Right out there at Nassau, where the Space Center is, they got that beautiful park. And you saw people with jet skis that said Trump 2020. And I just think it's crazy because if a bunch of white people live out there and you got very few blacks, they had it on there just to intimidate the blacks that was out there or live in those mansions because this water was behind their houses. I say all of that to say these Trump people really, really feel like they're going to get him back in there. And Trump always says, and I will keep saying this, the silent majority will win. He believes that in his soul that these white people or these Hispanic people that are being quiet are going to get him back in office. And, and he does believe that. He says it all the time yeah. when he tweets. Yeah, but that's because they're going to get back in. Yeah, that silent majority stuff comes from like the Pat Buchanan, Ronald Reagan kind of era, right? And you got to remember, he has a bunch of white supremacist races that actually are in the White House and who are running his campaign. This is a different world. There is no way yep. that the whole Black Lives Matter stuff would be happening Back in the early 80s or even in the 70s, white folks would not be standing up for black people like they are today back then. This is a different world yeah. from that whole silent majority mess because they know yeah. that suppressing the vote of black people and riling up white folks to make them scared of people of color worked back then. It worked in the 50s and the 40s and people want your white women. Like that stuff worked. Right now, there are so many interracial couples right now that they have on general commercials that it is not yep. even in their head. Racist people are going to be racist. But that silent majority bull is something that those um, neo-Nazi racist people who work for the White House is stirring up. They're wishing for the yep. glory days. That's all yeah, that is. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it is, and you just have to let it go and, and just, you know, be be uh, just be vigilant on what's going on. You know, we talk about how the president's going to lose. We You can name a number of reasons why we think he's going to go down. I think the handling of this COVID uh, uh, situation really is going to play a major role because it really exposed him for the fraud that he is. The fact that he was riding the coattails of President Obama when it came to policies and things, now that he has a full-fledged pandemic on his hands, a full-fledged crisis, Crisis on his hands. Uh, we're we're really seeing what type of president he is. And when we talk about COVID nineteen, COVID nineteen has had an effect uh, on our people, people of color, more than any other race uh, in this nation and in this world. And in this and in this week's edition of Informants, unless something that you need to know. Um, we're going to play an interview uh, by MSNBC Stephanie Rule. She was interviewing a mother who had just lost her daughter to COVID nineteen, and I think that. People need to understand that this is serious. This is real. I go to the store, I see people with masks around their necks or, you know, a mask around their mouth and not their nose. I'm like, what is this? You need to be serious about this. So this is going to be a tough listen. Uh, and I suggest to anyone that, uh, you know, go find the full interview. Obviously, we can't play the whole thing here, but uh, it's going to be a tough listen. So it's time for this week's edition of Informative Celeste, something that you need to know. And, um, We'll be right back. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rao Show. The smartest man in the world is here. The educated brothers in the house. We'll talk to him on the other side. Keep it locked right here. This is Leilani Jordan. 
She worked at a local grocery store, and despite the growing coronavirus pandemic, she insisted on doing her job to help elderly customers. Leilani died last week from coronavirus. She was in her mother's arms when she died. She was just 27 years old. Joining us now, Leilani's mother, Zenobia Shepard. Zenobia, I am so, so sorry for your loss. For those of us watching, we didn't get to know Leilani. Tell us about her. She was my butterfly. Leilani wanted to help anyone that she came in contact with. So she, she said to me, Mom, no one's showing up to work. They're short-staffed. Mom, I have to take my own hand sanitizer because there's none available. There's no gloves available, Mom. Helping seniors to put their grocery in their cart. Helping seniors to go to the restroom. Helping them to get the items that they're needing to get. She didn't discriminate on age. She didn't discriminate that she didn't even have that thought of. I don't think the, edu the education that they should have been given with regards to the coronavirus and the, and, the, and the distancing, how can you say you're not gonna help somebody that can barely walk to put the grocery in a grocery cart or to get in an Uber ride, you know, that's probably also contaminated with the COVID virus, but to also to help someone go to the bathroom and to clean up after them in the bathroom and you're already in a vulnerable class. The money worked at Giants grocery store for six years. Six years. Six years. She worked there for six years and no and, and no one knew just how much of an impact she made but the customers. No leadership is not going out of their way to protect the vulnerable class, like the senior citizens, they shop there for their vegetables or their provisions, and the people that, that are disabled that work there. Yesterday, they finally gave me Leilani's certificate of working there from Giant Social Store for six years. They finally gave it to me yesterday. Just yesterday, she, she would have loved to receive this herself. Okay. Leilani's paycheck. I got her paycheck yesterday. My paycheck yesterday for $20. cents. $20. My baby's gone because of $20.64. You know what using the proper PPD could have done for my baby? Twenty dollars is all she got, so she worked from her heart. Customers have been finding me and calling me and telling me, "Thank you. You don't know what your baby did for us every day. You don't know the fact that she said to them, "Do you need any help? Let me help you." Nobody, nobody helped my baby. Nobody's helping the workers. Nobody's helping the workers to do their jobs to help them, but they're making the money. $20, one paycheck, one week, $20, and 64 cents, and she's gone. They used a, a drug in the hospital called the hydroxychloroquine, continuous drip, did not work. She was too far gone. I'm a mother, and I have a hole in my heart for the rest 
of my life. My baby is gone. Mrs. Shepherd, I'm so I'm so sorry. I know you've set up a GoFundMe page because you want to help. Tell us about that. I set up a GoFundMe page. My family helped me. Because Leilani had nothing. She had nothing. The GoFundMe page is to help this entire... I have to pay for burial. It's going to take her probably maybe five to six months to get buried. Five to six months to get buried. You can't handle a COVID funeral the way you can handle a regular funeral. That's why they're in body bags. What mother wants to lose their baby to a virus that we can't see? You have a mom. How would your mom feel? If she had to bury you, just think of this. If you had a special baby, a grandmother, no one wants to lose their loved one. But for $20.64, they could have bought a box of gloves to give to them. They could have kept that paycheck. So she did this for my heart, not for the money. You listen to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show right here on the TJRS Radio Network online. Uh, radio is best. <clears throat> so now let me, uh, before the break, I talked about uh, the educated brother himself being in the house and spring him in officially. Uh, my little brother, the man who I love so dearly, the one and only Johnny D in the place of me. Man, good morning, John. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning, um, I'm a little touched by that the uh, the last segment, so forgive me. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little touched, so just forgive me on that right there. But I'm glad to be in the house, and uh, like I say, thank you for this opportunity. Man, appreciate you. It's a tough listen, um, and and you know, I made before the break. I talked about people should go. The whole interview will. I mean, I don't think. It's hard to, to to watch it. It really and truly is, and I just think I wanted people to understand the importance of this. And, and folks are just not getting it. You know, they had to take basketball rims down in the neighborhood because people were still playing basketball. People were still congr- you know, just you know, just getting together and having a good time because you know they don't care. And 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 there are people who are suffering like this young lady who lost her. And her daughter has cerebral palsy, so I mean, it's even worse. Um, and. You know, twenty dollars was her last paycheck. Um, it's uh, wow. just a, it's just it's a tough, 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 tough list. Right? It's the uh, Sunday morning roundtable where our panelists bring topics to the table. And as I was warned before the last break and threatened almost, uh, Vanessa. <laughs> wow. It is time to get into our second topic, and Vanessa is the one to bring it to. It. So what are we talking about this segment? I didn't want to threaten you, but I didn't want to get forgotten either. So 
Liz took my main topic, which was the mail, but my next one is this that came across OAN News. There's a town in uh, Mexico, and um, they have 65,000 people in the town. They have 12 doctors. Two of the doctors are the ones that administer um, the medication to you, uh, anesthesiologists. So how do they have 2,000 cases of COVID, 70 deaths, and they were crying out for help? They were they were crying, and I feel better. How is this? You know, how is this even possible? I think it's on the border. It's like the Rio Grande. It's like the border of Texas because it came across that news segment, and I I don't get it. How are we in the United States, the largest conglomerate of all, with with the best doctors over here in Houston in the medical center, and when New York had COVID, people from all over the world was going. How did they not hear these people until it started getting broadcasted uh, on all different news networks where they had 48 hospital beds, but they have made a tent. Even here in Houston at the NRG, they made up a tent and then took it down. And in other places, they wasted money and did the exact same thing. But you got children sick, Dying, 48 hospital beds, doctors not getting sleep, people dying, and nobody did those people any help until it started broadcasting on a different news segment. And then I saw it on Como, and when they had interviewed the main doctor, he said that it was getting better because of the broadcast from the different news segments where they were sending in some help. Is that not? the most insane something to have a president who does not care about anybody. His, uh, he just want to shove everybody back to school. School shutting back down. The bus drivers got it. The teachers, got, the nurse at one of the schools got it. How do we have a man in office that is getting away with all of this and people want to get ugly with you when you say something. And then you got all of these Karens that's out there that want to spit in your face because you're telling them to put on a mask or they're cussing you out. So I just, when I run into a Karen, everybody's going to know about it. Seriously. When I run into one, if I run into one, and I hope I don't. Because this is ridiculous. Not to be respectful of other people who do care and want to wear a mask and then to have a hospital doctors and everything so close and nobody helped that little town until they had started just, people just started dying. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's horrible. And I think people are going to hell for this. I'm just saying. So obviously, you know, we obviously we're not aware of the story, but I think basically what Vanessa wants to talk about this segment is, you know, why, why is it? How can the largest nation in the world be suffering. I think we all know the answer to this question, but Johnny D, I think you just need to uh, go ahead and put it out there for us. Why, why, you know, once again, small towns right outside major metropolitan cities, uh, not you know, not having the ability to uh, take care of COVID cases 
you know, uh, testing sites are being reduced. Uh, but yet still, this guy stands in front of the platform. Now, you see, he resumed this guy isn't Trump, a.k.a. this criminal that you refer to, that you like to call him. This guy uh, ha- started having his corona uh, uh, briefings every day. He restarted those things up because he didn't have anything to do. He couldn't go anywhere, so he just wanted to get out in front of the cameras again. And, you know, I mean, the, those damn uh, briefings are about everything damn near except for Corona. Then when he started getting asked tough questions, he just abruptly just walked away from the from the, uh, from the, uh, the, the podium. So, so Johnny, you know, well, why do you think this is going on, man? Well, why do you think we're in a situation that this country, I think we just went over 5 million COVID cases. I think that happened. I heard that report this morning. What say you? And give us your daily number, because I know you usually follow that. You usually give us a breakdown of how many people have died during a segment. I mean, our people. I mean, so, yeah, man. So, you break it down for us, Johnny. Well, I tell you what. I, I will certainly research that, Jay. And, and honestly, uh, I, I, I I stopped doing that formally simply because it was becoming so expeditious in regards to those being affected that, you know, uh, so for no reason other than the fact that it was just – you know, just so yeah. profound and so polarizing as far as the numbers, and uh, at some point, like I said, it just starts to just just embed itself with, with, with it within your heart. And you know, on the other end of those numbers, uh, reality set in. On the other end of those numbers were people, and I didn't want to desensitize yeah. or dehumanize them by just talking about statistical data because of their availability. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that was the reason why I, I, I stopped doing that, uh, to be honest with you. Um, in, in regards to, to this, it, it goes back to having an opportunity to have traveled abroad as a young man and continuing uh, in, in, into my, into the maturation period where I've gotten a little bit older. You know, the sentiment is just simply the ugly American. So I'm not surprised, and I don't think either of us are surprised in regards to the the, the impact that it had on America because as I've said from the onset we just don't do right we feel like we are entitled and of course we love entertainment and we love to express our liberties and I'll say it time and time again where your rights begin mine don't end but because you got this 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 flag waving and you think that okay I'm American and I can do what I want to do and you impose your will on others. I mean, it's just a blatant disregard for, for, for humanity. But again, as a people, okay, as, as, as those individuals who live in the United States and those who have United States citizens that live abroad, there is an entitlement that, that we all that we all share, okay? Simply because we live in the greatest democracy in the world. And now you've got an individual who wants it to be a fascist. And we can't balance the fact that, you know, that that people's health, people's health is at being, their quality of life is at being. And then let's not underestimate that dynamic that ultimately resonates when you look at the numbers, okay? When you look at the numbers, the same people who are walking around uh, in opposition of wearing a mask because, quote, unquote, they are Americans and they can express their rights. They look at the data. They see that the large, the large populace of individuals that is being critically uh, impacted by this and meeting their death are the Native Americans, the Hispanic Americans, and the African Americans. So truth being told, if they can infect and poison us that way, 
then guess what it is, what it is. Now, if, if, if by chance, if by chance, Caucasian Americans happen to lose their life, what they're envisioning is this here, that the person is probably in some care home and they've lived their life, or the person is unfit to be an American because of, of those underlying uh, medical issues that oftentimes contribute to, to, to the demise of individuals with COVID. So you basically got this, 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 this inferiority uh, complex that's resonate within the citizens of America almost in the days of Hitler, where Hitler thought that he had genetically produced a, 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 a grand race. And I think that that's what we're seeing now, you know, because you, you look at it. Um, I mean, hey, it, it's, it's no Look at what's going on in South Dakota, okay? You got these big burly guys who walking around with these motorcycles, this bravado, like I'm tough so I don't have to wear no mask and everybody else is weaker. But in essence, what it is, it's, it's, it's deeper than that right there. It's deeper than that right there. And as, as Hitler tried to produce this genetically powerful uh, uh, group of individuals that thought that they were superior than everybody else, that's the same ideology that's being preached by your white supremacists and your extremists and your posse comadres and your militias here in the United States. Wow, tough, tough stuff. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Jerome, um, you know, our colleague had COVID nineteen, and you know, and, and it was a tough road for her to get back. I mean, I was a little nervous to be perfectly honest with you when we were told uh, about what had happened. And when you look at, you know, we listen, we just listened to the story about Lelania. We heard from her mother. Um, uh, let me ask you a, a serious question, man. Um, two years from now, where do you think we'll be when it comes to COVID-19? Um, I think there's going to be a lot more. COVID is going to morph into to something else, right? So I think we're going to hmm. have, like, more respiratory problems there are going to be some childhood issues that we never seen before as a result of mm. people who had covid who didn't display any symptoms so that that mm-hmm. virus is going to sit in people's bodies so i think covid is going to cause some serious medical problems a little bit later on and so mm-hmm. even exposing yourself like i heard idiots say stuff like hey we can go get herd immunity right you let any virus or any kind of bacteria sit in your body for about a year and a half and see how that works itself out. Like, it is not, your body is not building immunity per se against that virus. It is mutating while it's in there. So they know Now, for those who may not know, Jerome, real quick, explain what herd immunity means for those people who may be saying, what the hell does that mean? Herd, herd immunity is kind of a concept like getting the chicken pox or measles, right? So if you go mm-hmm. out and get everybody gets the chicken pox, your body builds an immunity to it so you won't get it again, right? But what, what's going on with, so that's what herd immunity is. People think that if you hurry up and go get it and get it out of the way, then you have immunity to it. But with COVID, they're finding out that people who have COVID can get COVID again. Mm-hmm. So herd immunity is not working. So if you get COVID and two weeks later you get COVID or a month later or a year later, it is not really helping your body like you think it is. Mm. They are suspecting that the antibodies are temporary that stops you from getting COVID. So it may last like two maybe three months. Yeah. As mm-hmm. comes, but it, you can get it again. Some people have gotten COVID multiple times. And so since yep. there are respiratory issues, 
there are, are children, um, I forgot what they call it, some kind of syndrome of uh, nerve damage and lung damage and kidney stuff that is all coming from COVID. So you don't know what it's going to bring. Not to scare everybody, but at the same time, that's a, that's a reason to not go out and try to get COVID. Just put a doggone mask on. At least minimally, you won't spread it. And best, uh, in, in a best-case scenario, you're not touching your face with your hands, your nose, and your mouth to actually get it to yourself in case you touch something that has um, that, that virus on it. So the mask serves two purposes, so that you are not spreading it and so that you are not transmitting it to yourself. So don't touch your hands. I mean, don't touch your eyes, your nose, or your mouth. And having a mask on actually does stop you from touching your face so much. It's just a reminder <laughs> that you're not spreading it to yourself. And wash your dog on hands. That's good stuff from Dr. Jerome. Mr. Elias, same question for you, man. Two years from now, where do you think we're going to be with this? Um, honestly, I, I, I think we'll be a little bit better than where we are. But I'm like Jerome did. What does that I, I mean? Does, does that mean? Is. What does that mean? Does that mean life back to normal? Do you think that we're going to ever see full restaurants and full sports stadiums? So give us how close to normal, I guess, let me rephrase the question, do you think we'll be? And just break down the fact that, do you, once again, concerts, things of that nature. What do you think? Man, I, you know something, man, in two years, I, I don't see us going back to concerts or any of that kind of thing, man. To be yeah. honest, I don't. You know, I you know life life will get back to a, a, a normality. But how many people are going to be scared to go to concerts? How many people are going to be scared to? I don't know. I don't want to go to a concert or a sporting event no more. I don't. I'm just being honest. No more. Period. None. Period I don't. I, mean, I don't. I, you know. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to risk it. You know. Because people are. Because people are stupid. I, I, I'm starting to realize that more and more as I watch this thing unfold, where as that when you go in the store, you can see people with the mask around there. They got it on, but they got it on. They got it on their mouth, and then somebody got to come up and tell them to put it on their nose, and then they they argue about it. They get upset. Then you got people who who want to fight you because you get it, and it's my it's my right to do this. So look, man. Um, even if they get a vaccine, I'm like Jerome on the vaccine. I don't, I don't know if I even want to take it because I, I took the flu shot once, man, and man, that thing made me so sick it was unreal. So I, I don't know, man. I, back to normal, I, I guess we'll be as normal as normal can be. What, what the new, what they call a new normal, the new normal. I, I can see us. I, I know if I have, you know, I know I'm, I'm going to fly again. I know that much. But if I have to get on the plane, I, I'll have on a mask. I promise you that much. <laughs> I promise you that much. The flu is still out there and everything yep. else is still and out there. White. Yep. I'll have them. I'll have them with me wherever I go. So, you know. Well, well Vanessa, this is your topic. Let, let me, I'll ask you the same question. I want to give. I want to hear what everybody has to say. I'm going to ask Johnny the same thing. So, well, let me ask Johnny first, and since it's your topic, Vanessa, I'm going to let you close it out. Two years from now, man, where do you think we're going to do with this thing? Well, certainly there will be a, a, a vaccine. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic and praying for that every day. 
but I do think that it will be a new normal. Um, you know, again, our entitlements in America, because, I mean, just let's just face it, we're not doing right now. So for some people, nothing will change. But then for persons like myself, uh, I don't know if I'll ever shake a hand again. Uh, you know, I was sitting there looking at becoming last week, and I'll be quick because I know Mr. Vanessa will close it out. And, uh, and you know, everyone who, who, who purchased uh you know, the first lady's book, Michelle Obama, she shook their hand. And, and it, it was just amazing to see the large crowds and stuff like that. I, I, I know we'll go back to that because of our sensation for entertainment. I'm just saying individually, I know it's going to impact the way that I live. Hmm. Wow. All right, Vanessa, do, uh, go ahead and close it out. Well, two years from now, where do you think we're going to be? You don't care. <laughs> really? I, I, I do believe that it's going to go back to some sense of normalcy, but I also what is believe that. that in, what is some sense of normalcy? Give me a, give me an example. Do you really want my my example? My example is yeah. people going back to my favorite place, which is Vegas. People going back on cruises. Um, but but. But what I do feel is that people are going to be like Liz and me. I'm going to carry a mask with me from here on out. I'm going to carry a pair of gloves with me when I travel two or three here on out. And I have always traveled with a little mini Lysol. So I think that things are going to get back to some sense of normalcy. Uh, but I don't think that it's going to be completely there. And I say that about entertainment and football list because my daughter has season tickets to the Texans, and she rolled her money over to next year to go to the games instead of even trying to take a chance on this year. So I, mm-hmm. I think that you don't have people that's kind of scared like her that said, I'm, I don't know about this year. Uh, how about we'll try next year? And if it don't work next year, I'm going to roll it one more time. And after that, I'm going to give them up. So, I mean, I think it's going to have some sense. But is it going to go back to our willy-nilly days, the way we've been traveling and doing stuff and hanging out? Nope. I don't think we're going to have that. I think it's going to be, child, I'll be old and then sold the RV and everything else before it get back like that. <laughs> wow. That's but it's time. Okay. Oh, well, hey, I, I agree with you on that. All right, okay. All right, it is time for this week's edition of uh, After the Break, where I ask my panelists a question and uh, give them the break to think about the answers, and then we'll get the answers on the other side. This morning's question is a very simple one. Now we're in the final days where our main man, Joe Biden, is about to select a VP. And I know it sounds redundant, but I can't remember what everybody has said last time. But now that we're getting close, we can always replay this clip. So the question this morning is a very simple one. Does he have to pick a black woman to be on that ticket? I saw a commercial today that makes, I know what my answer would be on that. And it was, it was a commercial provided by the Biden campaign. However, the Michigan governor was cited going to visit the vice president for a two-hour meeting. We all know she's not black. So that's the question. Does he have to pick an African-American, not a woman of color, an African-American to be his running mate. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Now, because of time constraints, we won't do chatterboxes this morning. Sorry, folks. So I want to make sure we get topics, and I'm going to try to get 
my last two brothers to get their topics on the table as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to The Serious Side. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them. They've slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. Those who are lost now, their legacy must be our lives. I can hear you, and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Amazing grace. I am dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers. We dominate the streets. I won't traffic in fear and division. I won't fan the flames of hate. It's time to pick up our heads. Remember who we are. This is the United States of America. I'm gonna end up with my broken bones 
Welcome back in 347-850-1272. Listen to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Online radio at its best. If you're just tuning in, here's what you missed so far. Mr. Elias, man, what did we talk about doing your segment? We talked about the postal system and how Trump is uh, delaying the mail in the postal system. All right. Vanessa, what did we talk about doing your segment? She's here, I promise. Oh no, she's not. Okay, we talked not. about <laughs> she's not. We talked about COVID and, the, and how it had an effect on a small town that's right outside of major metropolitan city. We kind of went some other areas with it, but we talked about COVID nineteen. And uh, as we always do, let's say good morning to everyone that's here. Let's say good morning. To, oh, where is Vanessa? We'll let Vanessa tell us tell you what we talked about during this segment. Vanessa, what do we talk about during your segment? I'm sorry. Uh, we talked about the Rio Grande, which is, is you know, the outskirts of Texas, that um, it's having COVID so bad, and they don't have enough doctors or hospital beds to help them with all of these people that are sick. And I just think it's awful. It is. You're up to date now, just in case you're just tuning in. Meanwhile, let's say good morning to my peeps. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you doing? Good morning, Jay, who I love dearly. Good morning, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, she, didn't she, loved, she didn't say she loved me, Daily, just you. Okay, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to go play this out. Well, we already know about that. All right, my, uh, my, the, the educated brother himself is in the house, uh, Mr. Johnny D, in the place to be, man. John, what's going on, brother? Good morning, good morning, good morning. And, brother Les, I love you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. I love you, too. I love you, too. I love you, too. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, nothing but brotherly love going on. Speaking of brotherly love, the, the uh, smartest brother in the world is in the house. The one and only Mr. Jerome is free. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing outstanding. And uh, the right. one and only Mr. L to the E to the S is in the house as well. Mr. S, man, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Good morning, Hawk. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Jerome. And even though the morning is coming, good morning, morning, morning. morning Nasser. Oh, wow, there it is. Vanessa gets her kiss. Anyway, Mr. Elias, can we say hello to some folks in the chat? Uh, believe it or not, it's only easy racist ass in there. And by the way, Barry had the music. That was Weary by the lovely Amel LaRue. All right. Well, the pastor's checked in. Pastor, what's going on? I'll, uh, if I get time, if Jerome will allow us some time to uh, say hello, to at least read some of your comments. I tell you what, during the last part of the show, I'll read your comments. Uh, Marianne, the music is in the house. Good morning, sweetie. How you doing? Terrell, Angie, Belvedere. That's a cool-ass name. Oops, a cool name. I like wow. that. Belvedere. That's a cool name, isn't it? Belvedere. Ham, Ham, yeah. Ham, Hamel? Hamel? Uh, Maybe I said that wrong. Good morning to you. Oh, Oscar, that's a cool name as well. Reminds me of Sesame wow. Street. And uh, I shouldn't have said that. And uh, good morning to uh, one of my dear friends, uh, a guy by the name of Terry, is listening. What's happening, man? I, it's good to good to hear you from you, man. Good to hear from you. I haven't talked to you in person in a long, long time. I'll definitely reach out to you after the show. It's good to see that you are in the house. All right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All right, it's time for after the break, where um, 
I ask my panelists questions and uh, they give us their answers. It's that time to receive their answers. They have 90 seconds. The clock is on now. Vanessa, does he have to pick a black woman to be his VP? He does now since he put his foot in his mouth last week again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, there you go. What about you, John? Man, does he have to pick an African American woman, black woman, to be his VP now? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I would love for him to do so, but I don't think that uh, he he'll be handcuffed. Uh, certainly, he is committed to to a, a female uh, vice president, and I think that they are certainly uh, warranted and, and, and worthy candidates. Uh, but again, I make my pitch for Susan Rice. Oh, wow. Good stuff. All right, what about you, uh, Jerome? Does he have to pick a black woman to be his VP at this point? Yes, that would be the smartest choice that he can make. Yeah, he has mm-hmm. to pick a black woman. Black people have, have held him up and are, are loyal. And, again, he needs to go off the grid. And everybody kind of knows who my pick if you've been listening to the show. He's going to have to go off the grid and get um, someone that's not already out there. You know, everybody else yeah. has too much scrutiny. Take somebody fresh and young and new and who's already there, who he's friends with, and he knows, and that will bring a whole new energy to his campaign. It'll be the smartest thing he can do. And that's a political strategist, ladies and gentlemen. If you've been listening to the show, you know who his pick is. Mr. LAS Man, does he have to pick a black woman to be the VP? I'm going to have to agree with Vanessa on this one. As he keeps putting his foot in his mouth like he did last week, yes. He needs to pick a black woman. I'm, I mean, it's time. It's time. He needs to pick a black woman. Yes, most definitely. Hmm. You know, uh, just since we have so much time left, I'll just take a few minutes here, a uh, few seconds. I, I saw a commercial. I, you know, Clyburn almost got some pressure on him, and I saw I saw a commercial that that the bank campaign put out, and it was one of these good old fashioned down home gospel commercials, all African Americans. And at the end, I thought it was maybe some type of group, and he said, "This is Joe Biden. I approved this message." So he's playing that black card, and if he does not pick a black VP. Whoo! Lord have mercy. I think he's going to be in trouble. I, well, I'm not going to say he's going to be in trouble, but I tell you what, he has given, we talked about the inside straight that Trump got in 2016. I think he's opening the door for that because I think a lot of black folks, especially black women, would be highly upset with him if he did that. All right, that's uh, that's it. That's this week's edition of Informant and Celeste. I'm sorry, in, uh, after the break, where we asked our panelists questions and they give us answers after the break. All right, it's time for our last two topics of the morning. We're going to try to fit them both in here. It's time for it. All right, Jerome, man, here real quick, man. What do you want to talk about, man, uh, during this uh, last half of the show? Well, you know, actually, I was going to defer the topic, but I do. I did have a, a post that I, I – um, I put on Facebook that had a little bit of conversation, but because I want to talk about this, I didn't talk about you know the the funeral of John John Lewis, but um, mm. and I know I'm kind of late to the party, but you know some white man from Arkansas spoke at his service, right? And that white man from yeah. Arkansas said something like this: John Lewis won and Carmichael didn't. So when I watched the clip, I realized that Bill Clinton was talking about um, Stokely Carmichael. So if you don't know who Stokely Carmichael is... No, I don't know who he is. 
you don't know who Kwame <laughs> Ture is, or that's his. That's what he changed his name. Panther, to. baby. Who? Yes. Black, so Black Panther. So I'm like, sorry, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, look, I'm I'm like yeah. so. I'm like what? Okay, yeah. All right, my bad. Damn, I'm, I'm sorry. I was lunching. Go ahead, Jerome. No, no, no. And, and so I I just want to kind of put it this way. You know, I I am offended, but more importantly, done with the Clintons. And I mean both of them. They can kick rocks. They can do whatever the heck they want to do. Because in this moment of understanding that colonizers are not the arbiters of black people and black people's interactions, if you don't get that now, you will never get it. We're watching corporate take off and Jemima off a pancake box and Uncle Ben's. We get that white folks are now saying, you know what, we can't. We can't make the determination of not just what's offensive to black people, but what is creating our psych, our, our, our um, sociopathic, psychological break against uh, um, the backdrop of race in this country. White folks don't get it. So Bill Clinton stood up at a civil rights um, activist funeral just because he's a congressman. That's what he's known for, right? Marching across the bridge at Selma, um, working with Martin Luther King, all of that stuff. But John Lewis and, and um, Kwame Ture did not really like each other. Bill Clinton knew that. So he said John Lewis won and Carmichael lost. But what he's not saying is um, Stokely Carmichael was um, really close to MLK and Fannie Lou Hamer mm-hmm. and all these other great um, like he was the bridge between old Malcolm and Martin thing to begin with. He is yeah. deep in the civil rights movement. So yeah. just because he did not get along with each other doesn't mean that you get as a colonizer to pick what black person we like or don't like. And I, oh, I was deeply offended by that. I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't even listen to his. Uh, I didn't even listen to what he said. I didn't even listen to his remarks. So I have to go back no, and uh, listen and I'm to glad that. You wow. Nobody else should ever listen to anything that that man says. Okay, well, I guess I won't go back and listen to the remarks. That he made. Thank you, Jerome. <laughs> well, I didn't listen to him. I, I, I just didn't. I didn't listen to him, and yeah. it sounds like I'm not going to listen to him either. Wow. Oh right. boy. Uh, well, I, wow. I wanted to put that out there just to say that. We in this day and age need to be smarter and stop putting ourselves up against each other, even if we have disagreements, because the the bigger picture was that they were activists fighting for a better world that activists are fighting for right now. And that white man stood up at that doggone funeral and actually threw a stone at another black man who left this country, went to another country to try to liberate some more black people on this planet. Yep, That's sure how disrespectful did. the Clintons are. Yep, he sure did. Wow. I mean, wow, that's that's deep. I, I, that's deep. That's deep. See how deep he goes? That's deep. I didn't even know Clinton said that. And, uh, wow, that's that's interesting that he that he would go there. Mr. Elias, man, any remarks you want to make on that on that topic? Wow. Well, yeah, well, yeah you know, speak, speaking of stuff like that, did you hear what the, the President of the United States said about John Lewis? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't come to my... He didn't come to my... Uh, my inauguration. inauguration. Right? He never yeah. came to one of my state of the union. What, yeah. what well, I mean, I, I think that type what, of of, of uh, well, you know, with that's him. That's par for the course. 
I mean, can we honestly be surprised by anything that man says? That's what Jerome is talking about, though. That's the disrespect that Jerome is talking yeah, well, about. He disrespected John McCain, somebody with the same skin color. He don't care, man. That guy yeah. could care less. His, yeah, his, his, right his niece that. put that out. We shouldn't be surprised. Nothing that idiot says. Nothing. Yeah. He is who he is. Yeah. It's right. like he's crazy. It's yeah. like he's mentally incompetent. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable yeah. watching this guy operate. It really and truly is. Wow. But that's anything you want to say on this topic? Unbelievable. That guy's a joke, man. No, I wow. just, uh, I didn't look at the <sighs> funeral because I'm just, I'm just so tired of funerals and people dying and either being killed. I didn't. But I did turn it on to hear Obama. And uh, I well, of course, we all did. Obama. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what we all I did. I, I'm sorry. I didn't listen to anybody else get up there and speak. On him, but well, you Obama. better not. But well, you can't listen now. Okay? So uh, don't me, do it. So yeah. yeah, we don't. We don't want. We don't want our brother upset with us. So uh, he has. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I guess I need to cut the television off. Say so what? I didn't watch any of that stuff either. But I, my my whole point in in just kind of making that comment is that it was on my mind, and I think it's, yeah. it's a note that our listeners need to kind of understand. We're not splitting hairs here. We're just talking about the fact that we can't keep putting each other one against the other. And Quentin, yeah. you know, talks about one activist that he's praising and another activist that he hates him. But Clinton is the guy who signed welfare reform that transformed the system from um, exclusive, exclusive and unequal caste assistance to criminalizing people who were on welfare. And then he got rid of welfare. And then he did the police surveillance intensified that. Racial profiling locked up millions of nonviolent offenders, and at the same time goes ahead and says, "Hey, I praise John Lewis." And I'm saying, even for liberal white folks, that we need to understand this as black people. You can be a friend to a black person and not be a friend friend to black people. There's a big difference. You, just, you know what? You just took. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, John Lewis loved the Clinton. Wow, that was a deep one. He did what? He loved the Clintons. I'm, I was watching, uh, you know. And, as, and that's as, my as, point. Yeah, that yeah. I, that's point. what I'm just saying. I, I say we that to, 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 that to, to yeah. To, probably won't like. That was it, Dad. Yeah. That's why I you said that. I, mean? I said, wow, it's interesting you said that, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And, and so we need to really be careful about this. And, you know, people take advantage of us by saying, hey, I got a black friend. You know, Trump says that all the time, right? I, there's my black and white folks like, yeah. okay, well, a black person likes them, so cool. But we need to know better. And we need to stop yeah. giving people passes because they have a black friend. Because that does not mean that they are looking out for the, for the long haul of us, uh, mm-hmm. like, culturally. And so we, uh, my point was just to say that this has gotten to a point of so much disrespect that Clinton has... That's why he hated Obama. I'm sorry for rambling. But that's why... Um, Hillary and Bill had a problem with the Obamas early on. And you can tell they still don't like each other. Right? You can try to mask that because you went on Arsenio with a saxophone if you want to. But those of us who pay attention to this stuff are going to call your butt out. Mm. So, you Here know, it is. Yep, I just wanted to make that clear that we have no friends in the Clintons. I don't care how much that one black person liked him or he did this for a black person or he put these policies in for certain black people. 
he worked with Newt Gingrich to criminalize black people in particular and made made it so that if you um, get a ticket, like a long time ago, if you had a broken mirror, that was just a misdemeanor. But they changed those laws to allow police to arrest you for having a broken taillight. Those things weren't those things weren't laws before Clinton. So our whole mass incarceration stuff happened Clinton did three Clinton. strikes out. Clinton put the three strikes out in the place. Yes, that was all under Clinton. Him and his partnership with Newt Gingrich. So yeah. liberal black people, white people can be just as racist as conservative ones. You cannot pick hmm. and choose. And for those of us who used to always call out the sister soldier moment and felt proud about Bill Clinton saying that, you can see the disdain in that right now. Because Sister Soldier didn't say anything that any of us wouldn't say. She just said that if what's going on in black pe- if black people took a holiday and only did what you know stuff in white communities, they would look at it different. White people found that offensive, saying, "Oh, he's just she's telling black people to attack white people." She didn't say that, but they blew it up so much during that campaign that even black people started saying, "Hey, they had a Sister Soldier moment." Like that is some proud moment of black history. Them dudes are racist. And so that dude from Arkansas, some white man from Arkansas, is why I started it that way. I don't care how many I don't care how many black people you know, that doesn't make you the arbiter or the um caregiver of black people. Give it up. There you go. Spoken from the words of our main man, Mr. Jerome Esprit. Wow. All right, here we go. Last one of the day. Johnny D, man, what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about for the remainder of the time that we have in the show? All right. Well, I, I gave it some thought early, and I just started jotting some things down, so excuse me if my list is too long. But what I want to do is kind of advance crime, even though none of us is given uh, opportunity to forecast us uh, living beyond that current moment. And I just want to go to November the 3rd and see what the day looks like uh, for us on that day. Okay, uh, that's going to be an instrumental day uh, in, in history, a day that we can perhaps uh, rid ourselves of, of this four-year nightmare. But but let's talk about uh, November third. Um, certainly, the pandemic will will be part of the equation in regards to the the vote. Okay, and uh, I'm just you know. A couple of months ago, they had estimated by election day, and this was back in June, they said that it would be over 200,000 individuals, or it would be reaching 200,000 individuals would, would, be, would meet their, their, their death in America because of the COVID-19. Certainly, I, I think when we look at the numbers now, it, it may very well surpass that sometime in September if we continuously be reckless. As, as a country, uh, as we currently have been in self-serving, uh, it will probably surpass that uh, before October. So clearly that'll happen. Uh, what we've also got to do is make sure that there's some availability of those who can get get our elders around to make sure that they can get to the, the voting booths, uh, make sure that they have accessibility to absentee balloting, and voting opportunities as, as they see the need to remain inside and, and shelter on the inside. Uh, certainly, I think that we can anticipate that the that the Republican-led uh, uh, voting districts and 
you know, states and, and, and counties and jurisdictions that uh, support Trump will make it inconvenient for the voters and certainly collapse uh, because of the pandemic and social distancing. They will collapse certain uh, voting uh, precincts for African-Americans and minorities and those who are in the Democratic Party. Because again, remember, suppression of the vote is the Republicans' party stronghold. That's what they want to do. So we've got to prepare ourselves for the inconveniences and then also the intimidation. I, you know, I, I almost suspect that we will see these these militias and these armed extremists in and around uh, voting precincts and booths, uh, which is going to be prevalent. You know, you had resemblance of that in some areas in 2016, but it goes back really to when President Obama was running in 2008, 2012, how you had, um, you know, Caucasian males uh, out trying to intimidate voters uh at that point in time, I think it will certainly be worse. Uh, misinformation and propaganda. You know, we've got to look at the misinformation that is always contributed to the different uh, candidates. Uh, I mean, I, I'm looking at advertisement now where people just flat out lying uh, in regards. And, of course, that, that's what this, this reprobate does uh, better than anyone that has ever held the highest office in the land. And so you got to look at voter fraud, okay? Uh, right now, the, the violin is already being played that, okay, we're going to have voter fraud. So he's got people in hysteria already. So we've got to look at the misinformation and the propaganda. Uh, absentee voting. Now you've got, you know, this reprobate trying to sue states, uh, primarily those swing states, uh, Michigan and Nevada, where he has basically indicated that, you know, he would take funds from them. Uh, if, if, you, if you look back where they, they provided as part of the CARES Act election, uh, election security grants, and I think Michigan received $11 million and Nevada $4 million, and he's talking about taking money so that, again, he can simply try to steal the election. Uh, the appointment of, as, as Les's topic, the appointment of uh, LaJoy, uh, the Postmaster General LaJoy, you know, laying off workers and, you know, tell them that they can't do overtime. See, all of this, all of this is a lead up, is a lead up so that the election can suppress the vote, but then also he can perhaps get an opportunity to steal the voters. And then, of course, uh, you've got the cyber attack. And that's going to be an issue right there. Um, you know, back in, 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 I think, 2002, 2003, uh, when they, you know, monies and stuff was committed after Bush and what's the guy? Oh, man, what's the guy? Gore? Was it Bush and Gore? Was it Bush and Gore where, where we had to delay the, 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 the count for nearly a month before it was finally Yeah, that uh, was Gore, Gore Bush. Won. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and at that point in time, you know, uh, that that's when the American Vote Act came out, and you know, you know, billions of dollars were put into that to strengthen, uh, you know, security, voting security uh, aspects. And now, of course, Trump has defunded some of those areas and not added any monies to it because he understands what happened in 2016. 
uh, he was a, a beneficiary of of those uh, outdated voting machines, and and certainly his worst nightmare would be that if somehow or another between now and then, you know, absentee ballot and, and paper voting would be would, would be the primary source, then he would certainly be in an uproar with that because he hopes and he prays that Russia will do something to aid and help him again. And then, of course, what I've talked about is the actual voter, making sure that we get present, making sure that we represent ourselves uh, as, as a community, but also that individual that's going to get behind that curtain and say one thing and do another thing. We have we, you know, we got to get a strong turnout, uh, again, because the Republicans is all about the suppression. And then, of course, the last thing, Jay, uh, on November the 3rd, you know, when all is said and, 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 the, and, the, and the votes are cast, and I do think that it will be such a landslide that even though he will contest it, uh, this criminal will contest it, um, I don't think that there will be anyone who will doubt the results sincerely, although you will have those out there who will be protesting and prepare yourself for the volatility that comes with that. And, of course, the last thing is the transition of power, okay? Even though, you know, the, 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 the Constitution indicates on January the 20th that that individual will be removed from office or that is a transition of power, you know, will this fool, will this fool, you know, uh, act accordingly? We know he's not. And I just certainly hope that, like I say, all of those intel agencies and those federal law enforcement agencies that he has criticized and questioned and, and took and took Russia's um, uh, word over our, our, our homegrown intel here in America, I hope that they look favorable to just tossing his stuff out on the lawn. So, you know, if, if we can just talk a moment about what will November the 3rd look like. And uh, like I say, I, I threw out a lot of points. And I know we got some great minds on here, and we just need the dialogue because that day is coming, and leading up to it is going to be ugly. And after the fact, uh, that two-month gap between okay. November the third and January the twentieth, uh-huh. you know, that's going to be a time of volatility in America that yeah. we that we have not seen before. Yeah. The gun ranges are now full. People are buying firearms and ammunition at a rate that that is fun unprecedented in American time. So we got to look at what will America look like on November the third okay. and thereafter. All right, so let's 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 kick it around for a few minutes. All right, it's, that's an interesting uh, uh topic in question. Uh let me start with you, Vanessa, because I know you you know church is calling. What, what do you think is gonna happen on November third? Do you think that there will be or do you think we'll know who the president will be on November third? Now let's fast forward to Jan to I think January. We're no, I think well, we're going to two, two parts, two parts, Vanessa, two parts. Talk about that, and then talk about January. Do you honestly think you've seen the, you know, you've seen all the pomps and circumstances when it comes to the transition of power? Do you honestly think that Biden is going to walk down the Capitol steps with this dude and watch him get on Air Force One? I mean, get on uh, Executive One, and then eventually get on, you know, Air Force One to take his butt back to where we came from? What do you think? No, I don't because they are already filing charges against him, like last week. Uh, so they're getting ready to take his butt to jail. So I personally They're not going to take him to jail on January 20th, Vanessa. <laughs> You're talking about they're going to go straight from the White House to the outhouse. Can you let me finish what you just asked me to answer? Okay, so okay, let me, okay, let me I think 
I'm just saying, I think that as soon as November the 5th, we get all the numbers for sure, no matter if it's good or bad, Trump is going to throw a tantrum unless he wins. If he wins, then we all need to be going to get gun permits. If he doesn't win, then I believe that he is going to be trying to figure out where he's going because he knows he's going to prison. And I don't think that he is going to stick around for January. I don't think he's sticking around to January 20th. I think that he's going to be packing his stuff up and he's going to be hauling butt, trying to find somewhere that they can't come and pick him up. I really do. I think if he wins, we all need to go get gun permits. But if he loses, he's going to fight it as to the mail-in ballots and the military ballots and everything else. January the 5th, by the time they have sure enough numbers, I would think that he's going to be trying to figure out where he's going to go live because he doesn't want to live in Florida because they're going to put him in prison. Yes, hmm. Well, there you go. All right, Jerome, man. Uh, real quick, brother, what do you think, man? November 3rd, you think... You know, give us your thoughts. November third, and then action, and then inauguration day. You know, in January. What do you think, bro? What do you think so? Um, what, what I think the world's gonna look like. Like, what do you? I, well, I can. I'll piggyback off what Vanessa said. The the um, what's gonna what I think is gonna happen again is that he's gonna have that Trump plane waiting for him on at, at the Joint Edwards Air Force Base, and he's gonna get his butt up out this country. And he's going to have to do that for a couple reasons. That sealed indictments that he has against him, they're going to try to haul him in court. He's not going to wait for them to subpoena him. And you don't know, New York State may serve his butt right at right after the new president is sworn in. Because he can't pardon himself. So I think what it's going to look like is that this is going to be such a... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you asked what... It, what do I think is going to be on, on, on November 3rd? November 3rd, yeah. Election last, Day and on Inauguration Day. I think last November determined, it, determined what the fate, is, the, the fate is for now. We've been watching this progress for two years as the Republicans getting swept, and we act like that didn't happen. So when you watch this overwhelming vote that happens in November, the Congress is going to change, the Senate is going to change, not the Congress, but the Senate is going to change, and that presidency is going to change, and he's going to be running like he just stole something because he just did. And can we have All a right, show that night, Jay, please? Oh, yeah, real, we, we, we always have a show on election night. Absolutely. It's called Afterthoughts. All right, so, um, all right, you get the last word, Mr. Elias, man. What do you think, November 3rd? And in January, play it out. What do you think is going to happen on those well, on those two days? November third. I still I still don't think we'll know who won the election because you know why the Republicans are good at cheating, and that's what they do. They're going to cheat to win, and that's what they always have done. Look look what happened with Bush and Gore. Funny Johnny brought that up, but look what happened with them too. Bush and Gore came through. All of a sudden, Gore was ahead in Florida, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Look, man, this 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 is what happens with with our election system, and now with Russia involved. Yeah, yeah, yep. Now, look what happens with Russia. Russia, you know, he's complaining about China because China don't want uh, him to win. They want Biden to win, but he's complaining about China, but he ain't said a damn word about Russia and the thing in an election. Look, man, uh, my only my only thought is that if he loses in November, uh 
January 20th, he's not going to be ready to go out of office. He's not going to go. He's going to say, I didn't lose the election. It was rigged. I'm not going to transfer any power. I don't want to. And that's what he's going to do. You're right? just like a little baby. But if they, you know, so in other words, ass out. So in other words, April Ryan, uh, she's a correspondent. I can't think. Is she with PBS? I can't think who she's with. I know she did some things on CNN. She said she can't wait. She said she can't wait to see armed guards drag him out the White House. Do you think that's what it's going to result in, Mr. Elias? He's not going to leave on on Inauguration Day. I surely surely do. I surely do believe that because the election is rigged. He's already saying that, man. He said this is going to be yeah. the biggest rig election there is. And he's already he's putting the narrative in place of what he's going to do. I, oh, I think wow. he's a narcissist, and he gonna, he's going to take his own step out. He's not going to want the embarrassment of being drugged up out of there. So he's going to kick rocks, knock over a couple of speakers <laughs> like Rock and did in Microphone Fiend. It's like, come out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what, we're done Alright, we're going out, we're out of here, folks Alright, on the other side, no chatter box We're going to go straight to Jerome's segment after the break You listen to this serious side of the Jay Rouse show <laughs> It's time for this week's edition of Under the Radar Stories that didn't make the cut for the live show However, they are important stories that you need to know Here's our story for this week In 1838 Georgetown University sold 272 people to Louisiana to save the university from bankruptcy. Among those that were sold were my ancestors. That university would not be here today had it not been for my grandparents. That was a long time ago, but the effects of that are still felt today. There are disproportionate negative outcomes for those who were descendants of slaves that can only be explained by the fact that this enslavement happened, reparation didn't happen, and now is the time. In October, Georgetown University announced that they would raise $400,000 a year for the descendants of the 272 enslaved Americans that were sold to Louisiana. They said this money will be spent beginning in the fall of 2020. My family might be making history in the United States. I might become one of the first in the history of America to receive reparations. Mechanicsville is the area that is heavily populated with Georgetown descendants, including myself where I grew up. And Mechanicsville is less than a half a mile away from where the plantations were, that uh, where our ancestors were enslaved. I mean, you had people on very low income. Sometimes they didn't have any income. Some of us have done well if we were able to get out and get an education, and a lot of us haven't. And they could, you know, really use some assistance or, or help. Huh. Hmm. We may be the first that receives some form of reparations for slavery. It may start with you. Well, I think it would be a wonderful thing. Start out with me and let it continue on with with everybody. That who would be in need is so much. I miss that all, but from the goodness of God, I'm still here. My mom. I will never forget had one dress. She'd wash that dress out at night and hang it on the back of her chair to the fireplace to dry. To have it to put on the next day. And my mom 
patches on top of patches. So what yes. do you think that, just maybe one thing you think that Georgetown should do? Well, my house could be upgraded for one thing. In my community where I grew up, reparations would definitely help. If I was given reparations, I would definitely set some of that money as future. My first thing is to get something for the elderly people. I would feel that my ancestors are rejoicing in heaven. It's $400,000. For each family? No. <laughs> it's just $400,000 for over 7,000 people. No, my. Not much. Do you think 400000 comes close to what we need as a people? So it's 400000 Okay, so the descendants that's living now, we you put that at how many? About 8000 About 8000 Okay. Equal $50. So slap in the face, not just a slap in the face, that's a kick in the behind also. Georgetown University is currently deciding how this money will be spent, but said it will go towards projects that support descendant community. I think Georgetown has such an opportunity here to take the lead on this. I don't think they should go bankrupt, but $400,000 is not going to do it. Someone in authority at Georgetown needs to come down and actually meet with each descendant and see what each descendant needs. We don't need to make white people wrong. We don't need to make Georgetown wrong. We need to ask ourselves, what do we need to do to ensure that all of Americans have full access to every right that it means to be an American? That's it. Thank you for listening. And remember, every week we'll feature stories that you need to know right here on Under the Radar, sponsored by the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. I'm J-Rod. See you next time. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. This The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Alright folks, it is time for something that's been missing for a minute But it's time for an on a need to know basis with our main man, Mr. Jerome Esprit Man, it feels so good to introduce you back into this segment, man, what's going on this morning? Alright, well, first of all, I want to say to our to that last segment really quickly That if Georgetown University needs a metrics to figure out how much to pay black people how about doing it like the IRS, right? When you owe a tax bill, just garnish your wages. Figure out how much Georgetown makes a year for how long they did not pay, and then figure out a payment plan for Georgetown to pay them back. But no one-time shot deal of $400,000 or $40 each is going to do it. Just There's a metric that's out there. They need to be garnished. So if they, if they make $40, $50 million a year, Actually, they need to give about $5 million a year to start to pay back the people who they owe for 25 years. How about that? All right. So the in the news, the Department of Labor 
said on Thursday that 1.416 million Americans filed for unemployment in the week ending July 25th. It's an increase of 12,000 from the prior week. So the official um, numbers did come out. The economy um, contracted by 32.9% between April and June. Now that is more than the Great Depression, the Great Recession, all of them combined. We have never had an economy this bad. And it's more than triple the um, previous 10% record decline is seen in 1958. So I just want to put that number in perspective, is that if we are not in a Great Depression after going 32.9%, that just tells you that our economy is not as flimsy as people think it is. Because the record was 10%. And when it went 10%, people were losing their jobs, people had to run on banks and all that. It happened 32.9, that kind of contracted. So it just tells you the Treasury propping up the the, um, the market is doing something on the back end. Trump and those guys are spending your money, and you can't even see it coming. So when Biden gets there, you're going to want to start to blame some stuff on them. Just know they're artificially inflating numbers just so that you don't freak out. But we should be freaking out. Now, more than 97,000 children tested positive for, for the coronavirus over the last two weeks of July as schools prepared to report to in-person classes. So the American Academy of Pediatrics released in a new report saying that 97,000 positive tests in children were between July 16th and July 30th. So welcome back to school. All right, and Best Buy said that their stores will be closed on Thanksgiving Day following a similar announcement by Walmart and Target because of the pandemic. So I think they're going to cancel the, all the in-store Black Friday stuff. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the founder of a Silicone Valley firm is jailed for six months in that, admission, that college admission scandal after he paid $1 million to get his daughter into Georgetown by pretending she was a, a tennis star. So he gets six months of jail for bribing them for $1 million. Um, after six years of litigation and two appeals, the Ninth Circuit on Friday revealed a class action suit claiming that the National Football League negligently allowed teams to push painkillers on hurt athletes and causing permanent in- injury and drug addictions to players can proceed. So they held them off for six years in this litigation. Whoa. And... Yes. Remember, because it was a while ago that they did the, what was that, documentary on painkillers in the NFL? Uh, Yeah. 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 So the NFL's been trying to get that thing thrown out, but they just, um, the appeals court said that they couldn't throw it out. They can go forward. That's that's big. Yep. It really is. Now, the Sixth Circuit uh, denied immunity to Michigan's government defendants, including Governor Rick Snyder and the action stemming from the Flint water crisis. So Mm. they found that the previous findings that the officials played direct roles in creating the crisis. So Rick Snyder and some of the managers are going to be held accountable in court. So they said they do not get immunity for what they did in Flint. That happened. Hey, Hey, Jerome, and and in that NFL instance, say, say a player has passed on 
do they do they family get the right to sue? Yep. Yep, because they already okay. have the medical records of what damage that was caused from having painkillers and having addiction. So they're all included in, into that class action suit. Okay. Yep. Now, also a judge ruled this week that body cam footage of George Floyd, um, the cops can be released to the public after the Daily Mail revealed leaked footage. So the judge wrote in the ruling on Friday that the media and public are allowed to have copies of that body cam footage recorded by um, officers Thomas Lang and Jay Alexander, um, whatever his last name is. But, yeah, they, they've been trying to hide that body cam footage, but it got leaked and went to court mm. to try to suppress it. So that's going to be coming out um, pretty soon. They'll probably be running that stuff all over the place. Now, a Georgia mm. family said that cops fired multiple shots at a car full of five black children aged 9 to 16 Jesus. and pistol whipped a 15-year-old boy after they pulled him over for a traffic violation. So the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said in a statement that the Waycross Police Department called them to investigate an officer shoot an officer-involved shooting that that occurred on Saturday about 8 a.m. So at 8 a.m. they're shooting at a car with a bunch of children in it. So. Mm. Yeah, so the um, the two officers involved in that incident has been placed on administrative leave pending the outcome of the investigation. But the father of the five children um, and a woman can be heard on police officers, like on video, saying not to shoot his son as they laid flat face down in the dirt road. Wow. They were pleading with wow. them not to shoot him. Damn. And they shot at, damn, him, damn. at one of the kids anyway. Wow. Right? And people keep saying, how come the protests aren't dying down? That happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now, DA Cyrus Vance um, personally ordered the charges dropped against Derek Ingram from a felony assault, second degree misdemeanor assault, because a law enforcement um, officer, a female cop, was injured because he had a bullhorn on July 14th, and they said it resulted into the temporary hearing damage of a police officer, so they wanted to charge him for a felony. So the DA had to come in and move it down to a misdemeanor. They were trying to throw him to jail because they said uh, he was yelling into a bullhorn too long and the police got ear damage. Again, see what we're dealing with? Yeah, so on Friday, a team of New York uh, NYPD officers were sent to arrest him and they had an hours-long standoff outside his home because an angry crowd confronted them and stopped them, but he turned himself in. And so the DA reduced the charges against him. They were trying to, you know, the PD was trying to railroad him. This is NYPD we're talking about. Now, um, now speaking of, you know, I know we had that question, did we think that what Trump was going to do um, on November 3rd or, or, or – um, this, or January 20th or 21st, mm-hmm. a judge has just uh, refused a delay in a lawsuit by famed New York um, columnist E. Jean Carroll, who said that Trump raped her decades ago when he was a private citizen, and they've been trying to hold off from that lawsuit, and the judge said that they can go ahead with that lawsuit of a rape claim mm. from her against Donald Trump. Wow. That was ruled on yesterday. I'm mean, sorry, it was ruled on on Damn. Friday. Wow. Yeah, so 
See all, the, all these these cases are coming up. His butt is gonna yep. jump on the plane and bounce. He's gonna run. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So so speaking of dotard, Trump was taking questions from the press at his um at his golf club the other day after signing some illegal executive orders on Saturday, and um, so a White House correspondent, CBS White House correspondent Paula Reed, um, pressed him. And she said, why do you keep saying that you passed the, the Veterans' Choice um, legislation? And Trump tried to call on another reporter and ignored her. And she said, she yelled to him, you said that you passed Veterans' Choice and it was passed in 2014 by Obama. It's a false statement, sir. And he ended the press conference and walked off. <laughs> that sounds like him. Exactly. That sounds like him, so, man. So ask me the question again what he's going to do. Oh, uh, November. <laughs> November. He's not going to have no press <laughs> he's conferences. Gonna or he's going to bounce. That's he's going to bounce. That's how the bounce. He's going to knock off the mic stand and speak. Wow. Now, get, get another court ruling. Uh, delivering a blow to the Trump administration, a full D.C. court ruling th- um, that the White House Judiciary Com- Committee can enforce a subpoena from former White House counsel Don McGahn. Now, he is a guy mm-hmm. who was on the who was on the plane with Trump when Trump knew about what was going on with Russia and trying to get them to dump that WikiLeaks stuff. So Don McGahn would not talk to Mueller, and he wouldn't talk to them doing an impeachment hearing because the Trump administration objected to it. But Don McGahn, mm-hmm. even if this happens after election, he is going to testify to that. So even if he wins. His ass is probably going to get impeached. Yeah. Well, uh, in another bad no, maybe that means Mike Pence is around there. But anywho, but yeah. that stuff is still going to come out. So, again, somebody is going to jump on Air Force One probably around. They, they're not going to even wait till January. They're going to say Happy New Year's and where is Donald Trump? Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody celebrating. Uh, wow. All right, Jerome, let me jump in here real quick, Jerome, because, I mean, uh, because we need to say goodbye, but we want to, you know, are we doing something on the other side? Are we going to continue the process, or what are we doing? Talk to me. I, I, I can do a few more after. I, I got a couple okay, more. Okay, good. One. That sounds good. I can't wait, because I've been waiting. I mean, you know, I've been waiting on this segment for the longest, so appreciate it. All right, so for now, we're going to step out, and we're going to say, uh, we're going to go ahead and let everybody give us the final thoughts an interesting show today and then we'll pick right up where we left off because he was man i was in tune to a lot of stuff he was saying this morning all right so it's time for our final thoughts vanessa is praising the lord so we want to say thank you as you always do vanessa for bringing what you bring to the table johnny d man give us your final thoughts excellent segment i always enjoy the opportunity to to be a part of the broadcast uh thanks all the folks that allowed to come and stay home uh Jerome, Les, Miss Vanessa, and Dr. Williams, uh, I certainly appreciate all that you all have taught me over the last 18 to 24 months or so, and I'm just simply looking forward to, to life and being healthy and keeping everybody in my prayers. So until until uh, I get an opportunity again, thank you again, Jay, for being in my life for 30-plus years. Man, let me tell you something. Thank you, brother Ditto. And uh, what what a what a hell of a question to end the show. What a good topic, man, to end this off on, man. Appreciate you. Smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome is free, man. Final thoughts. 
Well, I just want to tell everybody, have a good week. Shout out to Kathleen Williams. I know she's busy working at the moment, but I just want to say what's up to her and um, Mariana. Everybody, you know, I know I've been missing for a second, so I just want to say hey to everybody. Everybody have a good week. Appreciate you, man. As always, got number love for you. You're one of my brothers, even though we... uh even though every now and then we may have a have a little, <laughs> we may look at things differently. <laughs> but you know, I love you. One that I won't do for you, brother. Love you, man. Appreciate you. The man gets the first and last word here on the serious side. The one and only Miss Les. Man, final thoughts. Look, folks, I'm gonna say this until I can't say it anymore. Get out and vote. If you don't have a, if you don't get out and vote. You don't have a voice, folks. You are you are really saying. And the more the words of James Brown, you're saying nothing. And you're talking loud. So look, get out and vote. Because if you don't vote, you get you'll, you'll get what we got. This man just spent this this Spanish, this pandemic team, and guess what? We're all con- we're all confined to our homes. Instead of those that who have homes, people are losing money, people are losing jobs. Look, get out and vote because this is the most important thing you can ever do. And I, like I said before, if he if he doesn't allow me to vote by mail. That's one time I'll go into the I'll go into it and find space and vote, and I have to deal with what I got to deal with after that because that's how important it is to me. You know, as promised, I wanted to read something from the pastor. The pastor actually left two messages. So I'll read the latter one. He said, "Peace and blessings to the family," and he said, "It's good to hear Jerome's voice." And I agree. What a heck of a topic to end the show on. Appreciate you, Pastor. And he told me I didn't have to read his comment, but you know, Pastor, you're a mainstay around here, man. Appreciate you. Mary and the music bounced out here before she, without really telling us anything, but uh, she was in the house. Look, I'll say this real quick. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens on inaugural day, because you know my colleagues are now convincing me that maybe this guy will try to run. I don't think he will. I think too many people to be watching. But I still, I can't wait until Biden is sworn in and at the end of of the ceremony, what happens? With this president, we haven't had presidential norms. You know, really by now, in the the president's first term, the last part of his first term, he's supposed to invite his predecessor there to unveil their White House paintings. Mr. Obama said, nope, not going to show up. And Mr. Trump says, nope, he's not invited. So once again... The normal is not normal under this president. The president is supposed to go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner and crack jokes, so I'm not doing it. This guy has not yet had a national day of mourning for the over 160,000 people who have been who have been lost to the coronavirus. You people, man, that vote for this guy, shame on you. Can you call yourselves really Americans? Or should you call yourself Russians? Sad day. Sad day. And on that note, Mr. LES, if it's Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. What time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Wow. Show. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you as always. You get none but the best. That's what we do right here. So, for Vanessa, for Johnny, for my man Jerome, which you'll be hearing in a few seconds, and Mr. LES, I'm Jay Ross. You have a wonderful work weekend. If it's Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. It is the serious side. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We will continue with On a Need to Know Basis right after this. Five, four, three, two, one. Jay, Jay. Jay.
The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. To be continued great stories this morning on on a need-to-know basis, and so without any further ado, let me turn the reins back over to Mr. Jerome Freeman. The floor is yours. Yep, yep. so I, I cut the story, sir. So Congress can force former White House counsel Don McGahn to testify. The appeals court ruled as a setback to the Trump folks, and um, the U.S. appeals court on Friday um, dealt them a major setback ruling against his bid to block the a subpoena from the Congress. So former U.S. White House counsel Don McGahn, um, in front of the full U.S. Supreme Court, like the U.S. Appellate Court of the District of Columbia Circuit Court, they voted 7-2. to two. So they voted 2-3 to three for him not to do it. So those same two people was on that mini panel, but everybody else voted to make him um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. They said they had legal standing to seek and enforce a subpoena. It left other legal issues unresolved that goes to the smaller court. But the district court judge ruled that the House in November, um, you know, but a three-judge panel kind of reversed a uh, decision. They said the House, um, let's see, the ruling, let's see how how it goes. They said that. It is Congress' responsibility to check the financial rest records and oversight of the president. So you cannot – the president cannot stop somebody from testifying to Congress, and they cannot stop – they don't um, – Trump does not have immunity from congressional subpoenas. And that's in two cases involving attempts for the White House to obtain financial records from two bank accounts and his accounting firm. So they ruled on those mm. across the board that they mm. cannot stop people from testifying. Trump has tested the <laughs> limits of his of the law, but it just bit him in the butt. What we all knew that he couldn't do, but he still kept trying. Yeah. So, yep. And so also Republican allies laughed out against Trump for signing his executive door order on Saturday. Um Amidst of the pandemic, after lawmakers failed to reach an agreement on the um, economic relief package, right after after when did the Democrats put that in? I mean, it was weeks ago, probably a couple months ago, they put that in there. Mm-hmm. So, right. Ben Sass, the crazy Arkansas Republican, said that said that President Trump does not have the power to unilaterally overwrite the payroll tax laws. Is what he wrote in a statement. Huh. He said under the Constitution. That power belongs to the American people, acting through their members of Congress. And SAS is a member of the Judicial Financial Committee. So I'm not saying that because he said that. That's just because what the news story said that he said. But everybody across the board knows that the, the president cannot allocate funds. So that's the power of the purse is on Congress's side. Nancy Pelosi had already said that. Most of Congress said that. So. Those executive orders that he signed was just for show, because he does not have the power to do that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so the so the four hundred people won't get the four hundred dollars a week. No. Then, right. No, not wow. because unless he unless he planned on paying them out of his pocket, <laughs> which we know wow. is not going to happen. He ripped off way Damn. too many people for him to be that dead ungenerous. But right. the Congress, 
the Congress is still trying to get them, you know, the 600 I think they tried to go up to $800. The Congress is trying to get them more money. And he's like, well, I'm at least giving you 400 So they're going to negotiate that, and it's probably going to go back to 600 well, So they're still fighting why, how, is, how is it that Canada can do stuff and it goes right on through and it helps their people out? But we in the United States supposed to be the powerful, most powerful country in the world, can't help our people out. I, I don't get this, man. Because I don't because, understand it. Because of Miss McConnell, they would be able to write. Damn. Even on the civil rights stuff, the um, the Senate even overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, like to you know three to four, um, uh, uh, three fourths, uh, voted to support the civil rights amendment to the civil rights legislation. So both houses of Congress passed it. Mitch McConnell will not send it to the president so that he can override his veto. Mitch McConnell is holding back that civil rights legislation with a lot of other stuff, even though Congress agreed to do it. It's Mitch McConnell. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So there's Dude, a lot. I, of, I, how could he's a rotten bastard, man? I, I know. I, I'm serious. I hate well, him, man. I do. I know it's wrong to hate, but I hate Mitch McConnell. Man. Yeah, Mitch McConnell is is um, is a plague upon the Congress and and this country. So, you yeah, know, yeah. Kanye West nomination pa- papers are challenged in Wisconsin as state Democrats said that he submitted documents late using bogus sin- signatures, including Mickey Mouse and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they didn't think they were going to scrutinize the signatures. So I think wow. he's already thrown off the ballot in two states already because they found that some Republican, uh, uh, I'm sorry, one of Trump's attorneys, one of election attorneys who, who works on one of Trump's lawsuits, has been submitting mm-hmm. the paperwork for Kanye West. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. It's just the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Again, these are very old school tricks that don't work no more. Like, mm-hmm. if you are stupid enough to vote for Kanye West, you weren't generally going to vote anyway. <laughs> so I don't right. really, anybody who actually reads will be like, they can see this stuff coming a mile away. Now, uh, a former Green Beret, um, Luke um, Denman and Adrian Berry, have been sentenced to 20 years in prison by Venezuelan court. That's according to the Attorney General of of Venezuela. The announcement came on Friday. um, He said that the pair had admitted to their role in a failed May coup against um, Venezuelan President um, Nicolas Maduro. I've done that story a couple of times, but we sent over people to overthrow another government again, and these fools got caught, so they got sentenced to 20 years in prison. <laughs> and wow. they lucky they didn't get the firing squad. That's our privilege as, you know, the United States think we could do stuff in other countries without no kind of repercussions. So there wow. you have it. That guy's gone. So um, Epstein's co-conspirator from 2008 sweetheart deal with Florida prosecutor could finally be named as an appeals court rules to allow his victims to argue their rights were violated in their agreement. So the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals on Friday vacated a ruling that upheld that Epstein's 2008 deal with Florida prosecutors is done. Mm -hmm. Now the victims are able to argue why the deal violated their rights. So those co-conspirators in there are about to get named. There's going to be some stuff when they start naming these Epstein folks and who is trying yeah. to Who is going to get us? Yeah. Speaking, yeah. speaking of Epstein folks, 
you know Liberty University President Jerry Falwell Jr. stepped down? Well, yeah, I saw that. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, he posted a picture on Instagram showing him with his pants unzipped and his, around, and his arms around some young girl whose pants was also unzipped. So the Liberty University president, who is a prominent Trump supporter, he, he didn't resign. He's taking an indefinite leave that was effective immediately. <laughs> now, if, think about this. If a student at Liberty University had was half-dressed and had their hands around a woman, um, they would get suspended and kicked out of school. Mm. Right? Because they're, like, yeah. supposed to be very religious and all this other stuff. But the president of the uh, – he said, I'm going to take an indefinite um, leave. Mm. So I'm sure he's still getting paid. Oh, without a doubt. Yep. Without Jerry Falwell Jr. He got money, yeah. Yep. Mm-mm. Now – a repeat offender who was jailed for life after selling $30 of marijuana to an undercover cop will be freed. He served nine years for selling $30 of weed in Louisiana. Damn. He was handed a life sentence in June 2012. He sold 0.69 grams of marijuana to an undercover policeman. <laughs> and he got life in prison. Wow. Yeah. You look at it like this. There, who was that guy, Brock Turner, who raped that girl who was unconscious? That fool yep. do no time in jail. Not one. Yep. They said, yeah, I remember that one. Wow. Yep. And this dude, for selling 0.69 grams of weed, got life. Said, said it would ruin his life or something like that. I like, I couldn't believe that one. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Just down. Yep. yep. Now, the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, staff called Trump an idiot and said Melania was smarter after she asked questions about the location of all of our intercontinental ballistic missile fields. Now, this kind of scares me because isn't she like Sylvanian or something? She's Russian. Why would she ask that? Why is that Mr. Mm. First Lady's like, hey, where are all of our intercontinental ballistic missile fields at? I'd be like, oh, Ooh, wow. Where is your security clearance? <laughs> Aren't you? Really? You're a dual citizen? So the really? Pentagon's number two um, called Trump an idiot and said that she was smarter, uh, that Melania was smarter than the president. Which doesn't, doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Mm-mm. No, who is it? <laughs> hey, I don't have, I have this thing, you know, I never call hookers um, stupid. That's all I'm going to say about Mm-mm. that. She came in there, she manipulated that fool, and she became mm-hmm. first lady after being butt naked on the cover of a magazine. So, hey, yep. bless to yep. her. She was being smart. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, send your comments to um, to comments. <laughs> like, I don't really care. <laughs> being a hooker or whatever. All right. So, a Nazi concentration camp, camp guard apologized to Holocaust victims who went through hell of this madness as he awaits his trial over the death of, get this, 5,230 prisoners. He's 93 years old. He's in court in Hamburg, Germany, and um, he has a trial. And every time something happens to black people, they act like we should move on. He is 93, and they're about to sentence his butt to jail. Wow. Yeah. So every time I hear people talk about you know, 
that was in the 60s or the government killed Martin Luther King so technically you know we shouldn't get reparations this dude is 93 and he's about to pay mm-hmm. even though they're late he's still going to pay now Good. the US is ranked one of the worst countries in the world to raise a family behind the UK Romania and Bulgaria with grades of F for safety um, the mm. cost living and work life in balance and a D minus for health and a C for happiness and education. So America was ranked thirty four out of thirty five in comparison to the world's biggest economies compiled by a travel and family as experts. Um, um, Iceland came out on top of um, the European countries and Scandinavia did well and Norway and Sweden and Finland. They all were in top five going with an A plus. But um, they said the full, the typical full-time employee in the U.S. will receive 10 days of paid vacation a year, while in most other countries, industrialized countries, they get about 30 days a year. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. You, you know, my eyes lit up like, you get 30 days off? Heck, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be happy 30 days off a year. Yeah. Really? Wow. Now, I know I didn't do this story before, but, you know, the Bahamas closed all the airports to Americans. But they said tours from other countries to visit. But, but the U.S. has now become the asshole country that Trump talked about because other countries aren't wow. letting America because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah you know. What'd you say? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Who hasn't shut us off, man? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Come on. This is America, Jack. They don't care. Honestly, I would, I would pick them by state. Because you know how this goes, you got states that are not, you know, they they're not taking this COVID stuff serious, and so you can't just have yeah. people jumping from Florida to your country when you know that they're carriers. Yeah. Yep. Can't say I blame them. Yeah. Now you know there was um two white students sued the University of Texas at Austin, claiming that they were denied admission because of their race. So the students for fair admissions filed a lawsuit against the University of Texas at Austin because they said they were unfairly denied admission based upon race. This is white privilege mm-hmm. if I've never heard it. Ninety-five percent of the people at that doggone school is white. And they were like, hey, mm-hmm. that's my person over there. I could be one of them if y'all wouldn't let these Negroes in. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm I'm sorry. That's mm-hmm. a bad thing. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I, I will let you go. I, I, after I have one more story that I know is going to make Jay unplug us. So you know that yeah, restaurant chain, you know that restaurant chain, Twin Peaks. <laughs> and, uh, they call them restaurants, but that's not what I'm calling them. I'm reading the story. That's what they're saying. They have been mm. hit with a federal lawsuit by forty. I'm sorry, thirty-four former employees claiming sexual harassment, multiple forms of discrimination, and sexual exploitation of young women. So the lawsuit mm. that was filed on Thursday at the U.S. District Court of the Northern District of Illinois um, seeks a jury trial while also claiming that the restaurant is run very much like a commercial sex ring torn, um, torn, of, torn from a pent playbook. They said this in the lawsuit. So Quincy is a sports bar in a restaurant chain, which prom- which um, promises uh, food, drink, and scenic views, 
served up by, you know, scantily clad women. Um, so the restaurant has the, the uh, slogan, welcome to the lodge mentality. Um, so <laughs> the 34 plaintiffs, uh, almost all women, are employees at the Twin Peaks location in Oak Brook, um, I guess is Orland Park in, uh, this is in Illinois, in Warrenville. Yeah, Orland Park, yeah. Yeah. So other plaintiffs worked for um, Twin Peaks in Plano, uh, Plano, Texas, and Round Rock in Fresno, and Orlando was another one. So they said examples of the non-standard um, theme week rope wardrobe uh, they they were required to um, wear was like really short shirts, kind of like Hooters, but they were more revealing than Hooters. Hooters at least had a T-shirt that was tied up. They had to show breath. Yeah. Their theme, yeah. Twin Peaks, a restaurant, is what they called it. <laughs> so the change official uniform of that plaid shirt and short shirt, shorts. And they said they would have special nights where they would have to wear short skirts. Mm. They were just flaunting. Wow. I don't know how blatant you yeah. could get, but they yeah, were. That, mm. Yeah. That they, it they wanted this lawsuit. That's all I got to say. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and just, just to even mention this, it's like, um, you know, when, when we do stories, and I'm not saying that I empathize with R. Kelly, but I'm going to tell you, Hugh Hefner been dating 18-year-olds for at least 40 years. <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah. it's funny that how <laughs> in some cases, they, they, people can let that slide. In other places, they'd be like, well, 18 is legal. So Hugh mm-hmm. Hefner got away for that for years. And nobody still even sell, nobody's suing his estate worth squat. So nope. anyway, there, there you have it. There's the news for today. I guess I can well, go on that you. one. Thank you, Jerome. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right. So uh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say well, once again we I have the rain uh, back, Jay. My bad. Thank you, sir. All right. <laughs> uh, listen, it was uh, as always uh, one of my favorite parts of the show, and it's good to hear him and back in the place to be, and uh, you know it's good for the brother. You know we all a family around here, and so it's. Uh, you know, it's always good. I mean, this, this is the highlight of my week, to be perfectly honest with you. So, appreciate you, Jerome. Thank you so much for doing such a good job. And uh, it is time for us to step out of here. Uh, that is it for this week. Glad you guys are listening. Notice the numbers jumped up. I guess COVID is really, you know, pushing our numbers up as well. Going to explore some in other places uh, on more traditional radio Um going to start reaching out and trying to do that because a lot of people are saying you need to get out of here but you know as long as you guys listen I guess that's the only important thing but you know obviously I understand um, you know if we take it to a different level obviously that would uh, be a good thing for everybody involved with the show so anyway until next week you guys be safe be sound love God and uh, be safe and remember if you're going to step outside wear a mask wear a mask that's it for this week. We'll talk to you next week right here on the TGRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. You are listening to the TGRS Radio Network. Radio Network. Network.